Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 12 of the Own the Moment podcast. My name is TJ Lasig, and I am your host here at OTM. And as always, I am joined by my co-host, Mr. Justin Herzig. Justin, how are you tonight? I'm doing well. We uh, have some true basketball, some true NBA experts on the pod tonight. So for once, I'm going to sit back. I'm not talking numbers. There's no spreadsheets. This is going to be a smooth ride for me. Let them be the smarter people, and I'm just going to enjoy. Yes, yes. It's going to be a little bit of a different show tonight. Last night, we got heavy into the numbers with regards to Top Shot. This night, we are going to focus strictly on more real-life NBA talk, specifically on All-Star Weekend, and we are going to be doing that with our two guests tonight. So first, I will introduce the man that has joined the OTM team as an NBA analyst. You can find him in the Discord answering everyone's questions when it comes to real-life basketball, Mr. John Bachman. Bach, how are you tonight? I'm good, man. I'm excited to talk some basketball. All-Star break's coming up. We're going to have a lot of fun stuff, and Top Shot's you know, rolling out some new features to coincide with that. So I'm really excited to get Brian's perspective on all of this and uh, hear, hear what he knows about Top Shot and see where we can talk some actual basketball edge there. Yes, yes. And that is a great segue into the special guest of the evening. This is a man that knows actual real-life basketball and is grinding the real-life basketball streets on a daily basis. I see him out there. Tweeting a lot about my Philadelphia 76ers. I don't know if you noticed, but I've got my Joel Embiid jersey tee on here. I'm going to ask you about that because I've seen lots of Sixers tweets. And, of course, he is the co-host of the NBA podcast and, as I hear, has a, a baby on the way very, very soon. So, Mr. Brian Toporek, how are you tonight? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, guys. Yes, yes. Thanks for joining us. We are excited to, to have you. We've got some folks joining us in the chat. yes. The topic of the hour is that there was going to be a Seeing Stars pack drop tonight. That has not happened, unfortunately. So we do not know the details on when the next pack drop is going to be. As, of, as far as we know, it's still going to be taking place in two different waves tomorrow, but we'll be waiting to hear more info there. I think we can touch briefly on the past you know, 24 hours since we talked last night, and then we can get in with with Brian. So Justin, is there any updates that, that you wanted to make sure that we touched on with regards to seeing stars with regards to what we are expecting over the course of the next couple of days regarding pack drops? Yeah. And so, I mean, last night was obviously a fantastic conversation where we really talked about from the analytical stance of, you know, where we saw from market. Um, so to kind of put a bow on that, uh, we did see the OTM 50 over those kind of past 24 hours ended up making about a 25% uh, or about 20% 24 hour jump. Um, it corrected a little, so I think we're looking at around 15% right now, but it's been great to see the excitement um, that I think has come with the you know combination between Top Shot NBA, releasing the Rising Stars, the sets that are going to accommodate them, as well as the All-Stars, and who knows what else is still to come. Um, and I think that has uh, you know re-energized a bit and people got people that, hey, when there's interest, I want to put money where my interest is. I'm going to buy more packs. I'm going to buy more, go to the marketplace, buy more moments. And that's what we've really seen. Uh, from a you know tonight standpoint, they identified a bug. You know, once again, I'm glad that at least it was solved ahead of time rather than people waiting, you know, wasting their nights and stuff. At the end of the day, this was always going to be three packs or three drops where you're only able to get one pack. So we're not missing out on anything. 
It's just going to go one more day. So tomorrow at noon, tomorrow at 8 p.m., both Eastern time. I think those are what they are scheduled for right now. Um, my recommendation is start in the earlier one. So then better chances of trying to get one. If you get one in the early, fantastic. Don't bother out the, the nighttime one because you're not going to get another. If not, we'll use it as a consolation and try again. Um, those are at least the plans right now. We'll pay attention to Top Shot, see if they change anything there. Uh, and then other than that, it's Sunday. And Sunday is kind of the big one. That's where we have the actual rising stars. That's going to be, I believe, the rare pack. That's where, as long as we stay on Sunday, TJ and I will be back on here on the uh, Own the Moment uh, network to uh, really you know, live stream that drop, be there for all the, the thrills um, of that, the sweats. So exciting couple days. Um, and I think we'll, we'll, we'll go from there. Let's get, some, let's get to some NBA, though. I'm ready. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Plenty of top shot talk to come, but let's, let's jump into to Brian here. So, yeah, if, you, if we just start from, from the beginning here, I guess, Brian, you know, tell the people what you do. Talk about your involvement with the Bleacher Report, the NBA podcast, how you, you know, basically your, your journey of how you got here today and your work with the NBA. Sure. Yeah. So I've been with Bleacher Report off and on for more than a decade now. Um, I've been in the role that I am for about seven years. I'm an editor, not just of their NBA content. I've worked on all sorts of things. So, you know, I've edited the Howard Becks and the Mirren Faders of the world. Um, I worked on the Game of Zone series to, you know, fact check them, check the captions of all that stuff as well. Uh, I work on a couple of the, their other video series as well. We kind of have our hands in everything that BR does, uh, that my team does. So that's my full-time job on the side. As you guys mentioned, I'm the co-host of the NBA podcast. You can find it wherever podcasts are found. Uh, my co-host is in Denmark, actually. Um, so he provides some nice international perspective to the game. Um, and yeah, we record about twice a week whenever possible. As you said, I have a baby on the way soon, so it might be a little more sporadic, but he's got a guest host lined up for while I'm away. So uh, yeah, check that out. Subscribe, download. We'd love to have uh, more listeners there. And then I also work uh, as a con senior contributor, I think the official title is, at Forbes Sports, where I mostly cover the Philadelphia 76ers and then also salary cap issues, CBA stuff. <laughs> it would be a busy month for me with the trade deadline coming up. We'll see how much I can pre-write ahead of time. Um, but yeah, check me out there as well. Very cool. Yeah, thanks, everyone. Make sure you go ahead. Follow Brian on Twitter. Check out his podcast. If you go, you go to his profile, he's at BT at what? Oh, B Toporic. So B T O P O R E K. And you can find his podcast and all the other fantastic work that he has going on from there. And Bach, I know that that you've been listening to Brian's show a bit. Do you have anything in particular that, that you wanted to, to touch on with him? I know you were, were checking out his recent episodes. Yeah, I, I was listening to some of it. Um, you know, I think uh, with it being All-Star Weekend, super excited to talk a little bit about, you know, the All-Star. Brian, you talked about kind of some of the, uh, there's not really a snubs argument this year, or maybe there's a snubs argument for a lot of players this year. Um, but, you know, maybe kind of turning that a little bit, who are some of the guys that you were really happy to see get in this year that, you know, maybe it were on the bubble and you thought was really deserving? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, because really for both conferences, especially in the East, you know, even the argument was like, okay, we there's so much talent in the league, we have to expand the 15 or 15 players for each conference. And it's like, we're still going to have stubs with 15 guys. Like there's right. just that much talent in the league. 
Um, so for those last couple spots in the East, I really thought there were eight, nine, ten guys legit in the discussion. Um, I'm really happy to see that Zach Levine got in. I think he's incredibly deserving. The reputation of him as like an empty stats gunner has come from his Minnesota days and his early Chicago days, but he's been hyper efficient this year and he's averaging like 28, five and five on good shooting percentages. So despite the bulls being, you know, as mediocre as they have been, I'm glad that coaches recognized his talent, put him in there. Same goes for Nikola Vucevic. I mean, the magic have just had terrible injury luck this year with, you know, Isaac didn't even, he got hurt in the bubble and he's going to be out the whole year. Markel Fultz goes down early with the ACL tear. Cole Anthony gets hurt with the rib injury. So now they just don't really have a point guard other than Michael Carter Williams. Despite that, Vooch is putting up huge numbers. So was glad to see him in there. And then I just think it's cool that Julius Randle's in as well. Uh, I'm glad for that one. It's like a balance of team success because the Knicks are, I think, better than most people would have expected coming into the year. And then also he's got the production to back it up. I think, I had a feeling that final spot was going to come down to Randall or Sabonis. You know, Sabonis ended up getting in as the injury replacement. But I, I have no gripes with the guys that they chose. It's just, again, like, you know, a Trey Young, Chris Middleton, Bam Adebayo, Tobias Harris. You could make cases for all those guys as well. It was just a lot of players having great seasons. I want to start with, I want to thank you for pumping my bags. Uh, you started off two for two with Levine. And um, who do we do after that? Um, oh, yeah. So um, appreciate that. Yep. Um, <laughs> Levine, do we think he's a trade candidate? Obviously, you know, uh, not, not going to lead the Bulls to much this year. Um, but talks that, you know, maybe if uh, you know, there's a couple teams in contention that we were talking about that maybe – he could be a contender. And I think from a top shot standpoint, like, Hey, him putting up those consistent 30 plus games is fantastic, but it kind of has a ceiling cap. If he could be on a championship contender, I think my, my bags, my portfolio would take a nice little bump. Yeah. I mean, it's tough to say, I think the bulls want to make the playoffs this year and trading Levine is going to be counter to that. So if I'm looking at, you know, Bulls trade candidates, I'm thinking more of the Otto Porter, Garrett Temple, even Thaddeus Young, who's been having a really good season. But I think even he has now moved into the, okay, this guy might be too important for us this year. We've got him under contract next year. We can revisit that discussion. I think with Levine in particular, the asking price is just going to be so high that I think the Bulls would listen. I, you know, I don't think he's in that untouchable tier, but you know, especially given the the price that some of these star players have moved for over the past couple of years, not just the Anthony Davis and James Harden, but I really think the Bucks deal for Drew Holiday just totally screwed up trade prices across the league. Like, you know, the the Bulls are going to say, okay, Drew Holiday fetched three picks, two pick swaps you know, George Hill, Eric Bledsoe, like actual rotation players. Zach Levine is putting up bigger numbers than Drew Holiday ever did. Drew Holiday is a better two-way player, but Zach Levine is just better offensively than Drew Holiday. So I think that would be the floor that they would want for a guy like Zach. And I, I, I don't know that any team in the middle of this season in particular, given all of the, you know, the COVID weirdness and like you just, it's a, such a condensed schedule they might be more content to wait till the off season. Levine's under contract for one more year. 
wait it out, hope the world is more back to normal next year, and you still get a full year of Zach Levine, and you know you get a full off season with him too to work him in. It's adding a high usage guy like him in the middle of the season. I think would be tough just from a team chemistry standpoint and like a schematic standpoint because the schedule is so crunched together. These guys aren't practicing. I think the Sixers have had like two or three practices throughout the entire first half of the season. So you you have to adjust on the fly during games if you're adding Zach Levine. Yeah, is that why I, we're seeing? Is that why we're seeing superstars kind of? I don't know. Um, their usage go up like with the Embiid, like because the Sixers just aren't having those practices. Embiid just has a better chance to shine and just kind of get that on uh, a usage. Yeah, I mean it's a fair question. Uh, I think with Embiid in particular. He just came back a totally different player than he has been in past years, and he's been so much more consistent. He's added a lot to his game, especially with the face-up that has just totally transformed how good he can be, like what his ceiling is. Um, but it's, it's a certainly an interesting theory about, you know, is this the reason why we're seeing this many guys having all-star caliber seasons? Because they're like, well, I'm going to – you know, I'm just going to take over for my team every night because we can't trust the eighth man who hasn't really gotten to play more than 10 minutes a night. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting point you bring up about, like, you know, trading Levine in the hall, especially given when you forecast into next season the free agents that are going to be available. I mean, it's just – it's not looking pretty this off season, And so, you know, to trade for a guy, right, you know, might be harder because, you know, that's the way to acquire talent and teams that are holding talent like Levine know that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, the 2021 free agent class was supposed to be this star studded, you know, Giannis, LeBron could be a free agent. Kawhi, Kawhi is still going to be a free agent. Paul George could be a free agent. You know, Drew Holiday still can be, but I think he's probably going to stay in Milwaukee at this point. So Rudy Gobert was supposed to be. So like a lot of these guys, aren't available now all of these teams are still going to have the cap space that they were hoarding for the last couple of years to get that type of player so now it's like okay well who do we, who do we spend this money on we you know we we need to get someone ideally um and the other thing with a guy you know for a guy like levine i think you want as much certainty as you can get so you want to wait until the draft lottery to see how that shakes out instead of saying we're, we're going to trade him for multiple draft picks including a 2021 you want to know what you're trading for like is it a top three pick is it the number one pick is it you know (laughs) a top seven protected pick that ends up sliding to number 14 that makes a huge difference in terms of the value you're actually getting in return so i i would be surprised if levine moves by the deadline but i'm not ruling out entirely so who is moving Good question. I, I think Victor Oladipo is probably the biggest name, um, and I think he's more name than production at this point. Uh, but, I mean, the Rockets are just in such a weird place, right? They've lost 13 straight games. It coincided. Christian Wood had a great start to the season. We recorded a podcast in early February, or late January, early February, where we did some early all-star picks. I had him as an all-star, but then I added the caveat, like, I know this guy just got hurt. He's about to fall out of the race. So I was giving him his flowers when I could. But yeah, since he went down, the Rockets have just been in a total tailspin. You know, Oladipo is a free agent this summer. They have to decide, do we want to give this guy a four-year deal worth $90 million, $100 million, even more than that, given his injury history? He had the one really great season in Indiana, 
was that the outlier? Can we bank on him moving forward? So I think given his age, his injury history, his shooting percentages this year, the Rockets would be smart to at least shop around. There's been a lot of smoke around, you know, Victor Oladipo wants to go to Miami. So if, if that's the case, if they think they're going to lose him, you might as well get something for him now before losing him for nothing this summer. Bachman, I have a question for you. Please. You had an idea that you were tinkering on about how to take advantage of this trade deadline with top shots. Uh, I know it's kind of a half-baked idea, but do you want to kind of just talk about what your thought process there was and how we can kind of uh, you know, provide some strategy insight? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, in general, I think the basis of my theory is, especially for some of these lower name players, any any news is good news, right? And I know we were all, when Kevin Porter Jr. got benched, it was like right around the time we were starting on Top Shot and all the rumors about him getting moved. It's like, I want to be in on Kevin Porter Jr. before he gets moved, because even though he might not play on his next team, being in the news, people are going to think about him. He'll come top of mind. I think, um, you know, beyond that, obviously, getting players to playoff teams where they're going to be more in the national spotlight, even if they're role players. Uh, JJ Reddick's a guy who I really wish had a bunch of moments out there so I could go buy them all up because I think he's going to move to a contender. I think he's going to help a contender. And I think, you know, people are going to start remembering that JJ Reddick is, you know, pretty good at basketball or he's shooting the basketball. So um, I think in general, those guys, and then, you know, on, on, you know, the inverse of that, when you get, you know, when you get teams that are kind of tanking a little bit and building for the future and you get guys um, who have a lot of upside but haven't been able to shine because they're on better teams, the idea that they can go to a bigger roster and get more playing time, get more counting stats, have people see. So you know, in general, I, I'm trying to target guys who I think are pretty likely to move, uh, you know, especially to either playoff teams or much higher usage situations. And I think you brought up a really good point um, when we were chatting. Uh, so now that a lot of these commons are going to be out of 25,000, we've even seen 35,000. Like there's a, you know, there's a lot of them out there. So their price is probably for the players that aren't the superstars are going to be pretty low. Um, however, if a player gets traded, I believe their mint, their circulation count stops increasing. That's which right. means that if they only have 13,000 and the marketplace to start off, maybe 15, whatever it is, because that player has now changed to another team, they will start stop that minting. So I think you get that additional level of scarcity if you can predict who's going to get moved beforehand. Yes, you might get that hype bump. Yes, you might get the better team or more usage bump. But I think from an actual circulation count and supply and demand, I think that's probably a huge opportunity where if I can get someone that then, you know, instead of that 25,000, it becomes an 8,000, a 12,000, whatever it would end up being, I think that's an opportunity that I'm really interested in. For sure. And I think we got to keep an eye on like what the mint counts look like on Top Shot Explorer on Crypto Slam when, when those cards are getting minted. So we can see if, you know, they're releasing packs with those guys before, you know, before the mints get comparable to other players. But yeah, I think, you know, that happened with Jarrett Allen, Allen and Karis LeVert, right? They got capped at 5,000 because that's how many had been minted before they were traded. And, you know, now they ended up what a third as scarce as all the other players who they were intended to be on the same tier as when they started the series. So, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I think, I think an interesting analysis for us to do at some point would be seeing, you know, we have this theory and I completely agree with what box said that 
any news is good news and that when somebody gets traded, it's highly likely that their volume is going to increase on the site. I would love for us to post trade deadline, do a little bit of a, of a retroactive analysis on, on if that actually held true. I know that we've made some plays on that in the past with like Derek Rose getting moved. So I'm, I'm curious to see if, if that does actually play out and we'll just be a fun time around the NBA to see what shakes out with the, with the trade deadline. And then, so Brian, I think another another thing related with the NBA and Top Shot right now, and the, the big news that came out this week is around the Rising Stars game. So the NBA unable, unfortunately, to have that game. Although I think, I think we all think the USA team would would have just absolutely crushed if that was a real game. They seem pretty pretty stacked with talent. But so instead, we were very pleasantly surprised to see the NBA come out with this. Well, instead of having the game, we are going to be releasing top shot moments of, of all of these players. So just curious from your perspective in general, like how much have you heard about top shot? How much, if at all, is top shot starting to come into daily conversations that you're having and just, just interested, right? We're coming at this from a, a pure top shot perspective, but somebody who's been around the NBA for a while, how much, has Top Shot really leaked into these conversations thus far? I feel like within the past month or two, it's really seen a huge boom among just like overall basketball fans, their awareness of it. I think before a month or two ago, it was more like I've heard of this, but I haven't devoted the time to actually explore what it is. I think now everyone knows what it is. There are still some holdouts that are like, this is stupid. I don't get it. And, you know, you're not going to convert everyone. But I think everyone's at least aware, you know, ESPN and the Athletic had articles kind of like, what is NBA Top Shot? And we at Bleacher Report and my guy Sean Hyken wrote a really good piece um, a couple days after those that I, I think it's the best piece from a national perspective that I've seen so far about what Top Shot is, why people are investing in it. He spoke to, you know, a couple of like the major DFS guys who are really going gung ho on it. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think I, I think it really has seeped into the national consciousness in terms of overall basketball fans. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, here. I'm excited to see what the NBA is going to kind of um, you know push for this because I think we've known going back that the NBA is a partner. Um, kind of initially, I was thinking it was more like a silent partner, like the, you know, the players' association has a bit more active role because they actually have to review all the moments before they get minted and accepted and such. And I was considering, you know, the NBA was just like, okay, well, we'll do this because we'll make some pennies, you know, we'll, we'll make some dollars on it and do it from like a licensing standpoint. Um, I don't think that's the case. And whether or not it was a chicken or the egg, like I mean, from everything I've heard, like they're not paying these NBA players who have shown interest. They're, you know, obviously gifting them some, you know, some packs and stuff and level of engagement there. But like this is a lot of just organic, um, you know, interest, and so I think the NBA, whether they've done it because the players started doing it as well, and they feel like this is an opportunity, but the partnership for the release of the Rising Stars, like that's a big deal because that's a normal NBA announcement. Normally, NBA wants to own those airwaves. They want to announce that on a TV show. They want to announce it in conjunction with something where they're going to have some kind of either media or merchandise splits for it. But like giving that honor giving that opportunity to top shot i think is huge and i think that signals that we're going to see a lot more active engagement between the two going forward and whether it is with the announcers and 
ripping, you know, the packs live during NBA broadcast, whether it is, you know, the just continued references. Uh, I love, 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 and I know this is like the NBA players, but I think it was Terry Rogier and uh, maybe it was Josh Hart. Someone else was doing like, hey, instead of a jersey yeah. switch, let's do the moment swap. And yeah. uh, just such cool aspects there. And whether it is a bottoms up with the players or top down with the NBA, like you can tell you're getting that entire kind of combo. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's mutually beneficial for the players and the NBA from a financial perspective. And we have to remember they've lost a lot of money over the last year, the last two seasons, really, between you know not having fans at all, having to scrap 10 regular season games last year, 10 regular season games this year. You know, Woj, like in the midst of pre-bubble, was reporting all these doomsday figures about like they're not. This is like forty percent of the revenue that they're going to lose next year if they don't have any fans. Now, we're seeing that more and more stadiums are going to start to let a limited number of fans back. So I don't think we have the full doomsday scenario. But yes, I think the NBA has a financial stake in this, and they want to see this thing grow so they can you know offset some of these revenue losses as well. I think Mark Cuban was saying, I thought, I think it was Mark Cuban. It was like, this is going to be one of the big revenue drivers for us within the next couple of years. Like we really think this thing has the potential to have explosive growth. And I think, you know, from the player's perspective, you got to keep in mind a lot of these guys are in their earlier mid twenties. So it's, you know, people of our generation, it's not like talking to, you know, Charles Barkley and Shaq about this, where they're just, you know, they don't even want to be on Twitter. Uh, these guys are extremely online. And this year in particular, when you're on the road, you're locked in your room. It's not like you can go out and explore cities, go to dinner with teammates, go club and whatever. Like you're stuck in your hotel room. So you probably have a lot more free time on your hands as an NBA player than you ever have before. If you hear from a teammate, hey, like, have you heard of this thing? It's pretty cool. I'm, you know, I've made a profit off of it so far. I think it's going to continue growing. I could totally see why the players are getting involved. And I, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it's not a pressure thing from Adam Silver in the league. It's more just organic growth. I feel like watching Hubie Brown open a pack on live TV will be one of my favorite things. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh my God. Just imagine like Barkley or something trying to like react to these packs being open. Like, I, like what am I looking? Like, just, I'm not even gonna try, but yeah, yeah, that it would just be fantastic from an interview. Brian, have you seen a pack being open yet? I, I have, I have right. seen one. Yeah, but um, yes, it would be super funny to see some of these old guys. Because I think just a tease. I think we might get Bach to rip open a pack at the end of the stream. Because I have no. I haven't gotten to open a pack. I haven't got to open a pack yeah. in like five weeks. I think I've missed on the last five drops. The last the last one I got was a cool cat, and I'm just itching to open a pack today. <laughs> There it is. Right. I love it. Yeah, love it. I wasn't. I wasn't sure if that was an intentional tease or not. Because yeah, I was figuring <laughs> that. I don't have a pack, but someone's got to open a pack at the end of the stream. That that's for sure. Hey, no but, packs tonight for the drop, but uh, box uh, box been saving this. Yeah. Yeah, um, I'm curious. I'm curious how much. I don't know. Maybe I'm overestimating, but I feel like we're going to get a good amount of top shot chatter over the course of of this All Star weekend between the dunk contest and the you know the actual game itself. Obviously, the Rising Stars games is solely focused on that. So I'm definitely curious to see how that goes. You think we're going to see the same thing, Justin? A lot, a lot of chatter about this. I feel like prior to the Rising Stars things, I thought that it would get thrown in, but now now I'm starting to feel like they just want to to start 
we've talked a lot about how you know they haven't marketed yet. They haven't done any marketing, and I, I feel like they're starting to to ramp up towards more active marketing. Would you yeah. agree with that? I, I agree. And I think three months ago they had All Star Weekend circled on their calendars, and they expected I think that All Star Weekend was going to be their coming out and their kind of big you know big push. Jonathan Bales decided, nope, that's not the case, and we're going to do it January 15th or whatever instead. Um, but like, there's no question that they've had this day circled. We've heard the Roham like, do whispers about it over the past month or so. They've already come out pretty big with these two sets, um, and I don't think we're done there from a top shot standpoint. From the players' NBA, like, obviously someone's going to the dunk contest going to say top shot that. Like, it, it, it has to happen, whether it's a judge, whether it's a commentator, whether it's the actual player, like, it's going to happen. And uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm all for it. I think it's just more excitement. I think it's interesting. The people, you know, there's been waves. And so before January 15th, the people who were in it were predominantly on the crypto side, um, you know, and they were most likely long-term adopters in NFTs. Then you get people in that January 15th where, okay, maybe there's people who, were, you know, from the DFS, the fantasy sports, um, maybe hardcore NBA people who were probably collectors, but also saw kind of an investing opportunity. Then as that hype kind of grew, we started seeing a lot more of the kind of people who thought they could get a quick buck, people who thought like, hey, this is just Bitcoin 2.0, like everyone's just making money. All I got to do is join and I'm making money to the moon. I think this new wave is now going to be those more casual MBA fans. It's going to be the ones who we see like, okay, they didn't know that much about it, but now they see their favorite player talking about it. They see it being talked about on TV. It's just from, a, you know, like a, hey, now I'm actually an enjoyment in the, you know, I'm not doing this because I think I'm going to make a ton of money. I may not throw that much money in at least to begin with, but I enjoy it as a fan. And those are probably some of the most valuable long-term collectors. And so I think this will be very valuable for the ecosystem. What happens starting at this uh, all-star game that I think continuing through the end of the year in the playoffs. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think the more the more we get folks in here that, that are truly loving the NBA, loving the product and not just, not just expecting to come in get a pack and, you know, make a hundred bucks and then complain about the website. Like those people will come and go. We want the people that, that are here to stay that are here because they enjoy the product, enjoy the experience. And I know that, that that's the way that we've all felt. And I mean, I, I, I personally definitely enjoy the NBA, but I, it's, I haven't been historically a, a massive, massive NBA fan. But this has definitely piqued my interest more in the NBA. And like I'm, I feel like I'm checking box scores more often than I typically would have. And so I think that there's another element there, too, of something like Top Shot can get people in the same way with like fantasy football. Right. A lot of people maybe aren't necessarily NFL fans, but they got into the NFL because of fantasy football. And I feel like in a lot of ways, Top Shot could potentially do that for the NBA where they, they bring in more fans that are going to become actual basketball fans and they get into it because of the origination of Top Shot. Do we get a red zone channel for NBA on a week, like on a weeknight now? Because the reason why red zone was created because people wanted the action for their fantasy team. They wanted to be able to see the players. They want to see the scoring. And it was the perfect culmination. NBA fantasy never really caught on for, you know, outside like the hardcore because you got to do it you know, for the most part. It's a nightly thing, maybe a weekly league, but like it's pretty hardcore. This now, I think maybe it's going to lead that level of engagement. A lot of people are saying like, I didn't watch NBA. I haven't watched NBA in 10 years or so for whatever reason, but like, I want to see how my players are doing. I want to see how my moments are. I want to kind of keep tabs. And like, 
yes, right now, like most people aren't going to have the NBA package. They're watching all the games and stuff, but will there be some form? I think that'd be a great addition and I would definitely watch it with my uh, portfolio being kind of a driving factor. So what about yourself, Brian? You, you, where, where are you at with your top shot experience? You have any top shots? Have you ever bought anything, opened a pack? Do you have an account? What, what, uh, what's your stance here and what's your plan on your involvement in the future with Top Shot. Yeah, uh, I have an account. I started it yesterday, today. One of these. All right, all right. I have, I have not, not gotten the pack yet. I was gonna. I signed up in advance of the this supposed drop tonight. So that was my first real Top Shot experience. Was a a delayed pack, which sounds like a rite of passage. I feel like I am finally in the community now. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'll I'll be trying. I guess tomorrow for the these couple drops, and we'll see what happens. Uh, with a baby on the way, I don't know if I'm going to be spending a couple grand on any moments anytime soon. But yeah, I mean, look, I'm, I'm intrigued by this. I don't think this is just a fad based on kind of the, the passion I'm seeing around it. Um, yeah, I, I don't think it's going to like fade away in the next one or two months. I'm sure there will be some kind of cycles of more interest, less interest, um, especially as as the user base grows, as the number of you know, the card or uh, do you call them cards? Like, moments. When you moments. call them cards, you have to drink. So, oh. <laughs> card. All right. Yeah. Justin uh, used to say cards every time, and then we kind of broke him of that habit. So he says moments now. Okay. But a, a lot of people do say cards. It, it's, yeah. It's well, because that's, you know, that, I feel like that's easy as I'm trying to explain to my wife what this <laughs> is. And I, because there's no, like, there's no one sentence summary of this, but I feel like digital traded cards is the easiest way to explain it to someone who just have no idea, has never heard of this thing before. Yeah. So moments, yeah, I can't say I'm going to be dropping a couple grand, but you know, I, I'm certainly intrigued and I'll, I'll wait with the rest of you in these queues this weekend. I'm excited for that. So I know your co-host Mort isn't, um, you know, the biggest in the top shot, but I think if you're able to get a pack this weekend, you got to rip it open live on your show for one of your pods. Show him the excitement, get him really in, and uh, it'll be interesting just to kind of see a you know more old school NBA guy, uh, you know, see their take. Yeah, I, I'm I'm trying to work him over. We'll see. There's <laughs> there's definitely some resistance on that end, but again, as this thing grows, I think even the biggest skeptics are going to have to say, okay, this is not just like a pump and dump scheme. This is People are actually invested in this, not just to t turn a quick buck, but to, like because I want my favorite Joel Embiid dunking on Rudy Gobert moment. Yeah, and I think that's the thing I'm most excited about is for when we can start to have this be a little bit, you know, we can we can bring the masses in and it becomes a, you know, collect your favorite guys um, as opposed to w what it is right now. So I think, you know, obviously there's a long way to go in terms of, how easy it is to get a pack, how easy it is to get moments, but you've just got such a wide variety of collectors out there who just want their 76ers or whatever team Justin roots for. Justin um, just picks whatever team's doing well and then claims that he roots for them. I mean, he did it with the Buccaneers. He did it with... Just keep naming all the Tampa teams and you're going to get there eventually, <laughs> right? Yeah, the Buccaneers, the Lightning, the Rays. Um, I guess maybe the Raptors right now because they're playing in Tampa. Yeah. Right. <laughs> They're on the upswing after a slow start. There you go. It's that warm weather. That, you know, we got it. 
So Brian, um, what, is, what is your uh, kind of expectation for this weekend? I know, we, you know we've got kind of a condensed schedule, which will be interesting, but honestly, kind of cool too, to see it all on one night, right? Just park in front of the TV for like five hours and watch it all. But what's your expectation for kind of the events this weekend? What are you excited to see? Yeah, I mean, I think it'll be super, like the All-Star game last year, I don't know if you guys watched it or like how many people watched it on the stream, but like it was actually really fun because they kind of changed the format where the winner of each quarter gets to, I think it was like $100,000 to charity. You know, they put in the Elam ending where there's a target score in the fourth quarter um, and it just made the game more competitive. Like the last two minutes of every quarter, they actually started playing defense. And like you could tell these guys genuinely wanted to win, which you just haven't seen in all-star games in years past. Um, so I'm, I'm very excited for the all-star game itself. You know, they had the, the draft earlier tonight and, I, and you're watching it at first. It's like, oh man, team LeBron's going to crush team KD. Cause KD of course chose Kyrie with his number one pick and let LeBron get Giannis and Steph Curry, which is like, good luck beating that trio. But then as the draft goes on, all of a sudden Durant is just drafting a ton of really hyper elite scores. You, you have, Kyrie, Kawhi, Joella Bead, Bradley Beal, Dame Lillard, or no, sorry, Harden, uh, Booker, Zion, who's going to be a monster in this type of format. So I think it's going to be a pretty even game overall. Like it's Team Durant is just a ton of scorers. Team LeBron has just the world's best collection of passers between him, Doncic, uh, Nikola Jokic, Chris Paul, Ben Simmons, Sabonis. So <laughs> I guess the question is, do they just pass too much and they don't have a score? Like Damian Lillard might score 50 points just because he's the go-to guy on this team. Uh, so I, I think I'm most excited for the All-Star game itself. But like the NBA knows how to put on a great show every year with the All-Star weekend. I expect no different this year. And as you said, Buck, I, I'm excited to see it all in one day. I wonder if this kind of this forced innovation makes them adapt this format moving forward. Cause I know a lot of these guys, you know, all-star weekend is super busy for them. It's not just they're going to the game and like staying in their hotel room. That's what they're doing this year because of the pandemic, but you know, everyone's hosting their own party, sponsored event, all that stuff. I'm sure these guys would love to have a couple days off where they can just go enjoy the city where the all-star game is and then roll up Sunday night, do their event and get out of there. Yeah, and I think one of the things I'm most excited about is just the collection of talent in the three-point competition this year because it's all all-stars. Like, I looked at that that list, and I was just – my mind was blown. Like, I mean, you've got, what, four, four of the best shooters in the league out there for sure. And, you know, Tatum and Brown are guys I don't I, I don't put quite in that tier. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, super exciting for that from that perspective. Yeah. I, I, Top Shot will be busy with moments from this weekend. I'll say that much. For sure. <laughs> Is there any chance that there's going to have like players mic'd up? I'm trying to think. I remember like in past years, they'll do like player interviews during the game, but not mic'd up. And I asked that because, and so first off, it was Damian Lee that did the Terry Rozier swap. The Josh Hart thing was Josh Hart had a quote that he goes, I don't know why. Uh, for some reason, a lot of effing moments are against the Pelicans. Uh, we played the Jazz. I think Gobert is getting into it. He had a dunk. It wasn't on me, but I was in the general vicinity, and he knows I do a top shot. So he looked at me while we were running back, and he's like, there's a top shot moment right there. And I was like, ah, fuck <laughs> So if we could get that, like, mic'd up during the All-Star game, oh, that's just – that gets my blood. Oof. I I don't know what the plans are, but it wouldn't surprise me if we get – 
especially because there are no fans in attendance. So you can even just a normal NBA game this year, you can hear a lot more trash talking than usual. So yeah, I, I'm sure we'll hear some of that chatter either way. I love it. Yeah, it should be should be fun. <clears throat> fun to watch. Obviously, we touched briefly on the rising stars stuff earlier. Won't be able to see that game, but one of the one of the hottest topics in the top shot world is around the rookies, right? Specifically the the rookies from this year. So with the way it works in top shot, similar to with physical cards, any moment that is from their rookie year will get a special tag or badge, as they're calling it. The those moments do not currently have those in top shot, but they will be coming. And so as a result of that, we've been trying to to dive deep into the rookie pool. And so just you know, kind of curious your take on on the pool of rookies this year, both the the top end and maybe some of the sleepers. And Justin, I don't know if you had any specific rookies that you wanted to make sure we we asked Brian about. Yeah, let's start with that. I mean, I'm just curious. Obviously, we know about some of the best players like um, you know Wiseman, Edwards, Lamelo, um, and so definitely want your take in general. But what we see is that there is a premium for these rookies in Top Shot, and a lot of that's because of hope of their upside. But without a doubt, rookies fizzle out. And some of these rookies, we're not going to remember their name in three, four years. Um, so I guess I'm curious, which rookies do you think of the ones that maybe were drafted kind of high? You know, I don't want to say bad, but like, you know, maybe are underperforming in your view, like long term. And then where do you think the value is? So which ones do you know are underrated? Yeah, well, I guess I'm going to turn this question on you guys quickly because I want to know what's Tyrese Halliburton's market like? Is he in that LaMelo tier? Second, eh, Lamelo's his own tier. Lamelo's yeah. going for like four thousand. I think Halliburton's pretty clearly number two. Um, yeah. If he's not, then I think Edwards, Wiseman are right behind him, and Halliburton's probably around like I'm guessing seventeen, eighteen hundred. Yeah, Lamelo, Lamelo's number one. Halliburton's number two, and then Wiseman and Edwards are are pretty tied for not not too far behind Halliburton in terms of their pricing. Okay. Yeah, I mean that. That sounds right, just based on how they're performing in the rookies, and that like stack it up in the rookie of the year race. I think Lamelo is clearly number one with a bullet. I think Halliburton probably has number two locked up at this point. Um, Edwards, I don't want to say he's gonna bust by any means because he's on just such a bad team. It's hard to really get a sense of where his career trajectory is. But I think, given the state of that team and kind of how They've just wasted talent year after year. The, the crowded state of their backcourt with you know, D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, Edwards, Ricky Rubio, at least for the next two years, I think there will probably be some buy low moments for him. Um, again, not to say that he's going to be out of the league in three years, but I wouldn't necessarily prioritize him. If he's in that tier with Halliburton and Wiseman, I would definitely say those two guys would be the better bet. I, I'm guessing Emmanuel quickly is also among the favorites in the rookie class. He doesn't have any moments yet, but oh. when he does, people are ready. Like, yeah. obviously, <laughs> ignore all the puns and stuff for how quickly they're going to be purchasing them. But like, he's going to skyrocket. I think he'll, I think he'll probably be right behind Halliburton, but it's going to be damn close. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I would guess if Top Shot works at least the way that the actual NBA does, there's just going to be a premium on any player that plays for the Lakers and the Knicks in general. And the fact that quickly has been this good, especially where they got him at number 25. You know, I don't think anyone expected him to make this much of an immediate impact. So he's definitely a guy I would keep an eye out for. 
I'm guessing there aren't many Tyrese Maxey moments yet, but he had a nice, he's not going to play much this year. He played early on uh, for the Sixers when half their team was out with COVID contact tracing. He's since kind of gotten buried on the bench and <laughs> his, his trademark moment would probably just be one of his many floaters. Um, but I think he's got a lot of upside moving forward. The Sixers are super high on him. Um, you know, I was in the presser after the draft and Daryl Morey was just raving about him. He's like, we could not believe this kid fell to number 21. So he's, a, he's someone to keep an eye out for longer term. I think, uh, same with Kyra Lewis, uh, the Pelicans again, probably not a ton of moments out there, if any, and he's not playing a ton this year, but you know, all the trade rumors that came out earlier this season with the Pelicans, they were saying we're ready to move on from, you know, JJ Redick in particular, because he's an expiring contract and he's 36. There's no place for him long-term. Lonzo Ball is playing much better in the last month, so they may not be as willing to move on from him, but it sounded like they were trying to get rid of, you know, some of their older guys, Eric Bledsoe as well, to make room for their younger guys. So he's someone who it sounds like they are also very high on, and especially playing with Zion, I wouldn't sh- shock me if there's just like a, an inflation <laughs> You are teammates with Zion, therefore your moments go up uh, in interest. Yeah, now that resonates. With the, the people on this pod, the Notam family, are all big Kyra fans. Um, and I think the, the when we started seeing him play more down the stretch in like the close games and keeping Lonzo a little off the court, um, I think that's when we were a little more optimistic that they would make that trade. Uh, it seems like Lonzo, though, has kind of gotten his place, you know, a, a little more of that placeholder back. So we'll see. But either way, yeah, I think the, the future for Kyra is fantastic. And so just to, real quick for the people on the stream, some prices for you're going with. So Kyra is going for a little under 300 right now. Tyrese Maxey is at 385. Um, let's see. We have Wiseman and Edwards both around 1350. Um, those are, and then Halliburton was 1700. And LaMelo is, I believe, around 4200. Yeah. What about from from Nick in the chat? I think this is someone I'm curious about as well. Any thoughts on Cole Anthony? I know he's, yeah. he's been hurt, but uh, any any thoughts on his longer term potential? Yeah, that, that's a great shout, Nick. He I, I like him a lot too. Uh, I think that Magic team is also in such a weird place right now. So <laughs> with all of their injuries, and then like Aaron Gordon has been on the trade block for the last four or five years, it feels like they just have a super crowded front court, and you just don't really know what the long term plan is. You know, every year it's like, oh, this is the year they should finally trade away their guys and rebuild, and then they don't. They're like content to just stay in that number eight seed mix. So it sounds like they're going to do it again. They know they're like chalking up all these injuries and they're just saying, okay, we'll roll it back next year. But I think long-term he's got a lot of upside next to Mark Fultz. I think the two guys can play off each other. Well, they could start together, you know, Mark God willing, that shot will come back at some point, but <laughs> he might just never be the prospect that he was coming out of Washington. So having a secondary ball handler in that backcourt I think, you know, it sounds like that's their plan moving forward. Like, I don't think Evan Fournier is long for that team. Maybe they re-sign him just to trade him later. But I think the long-term plan is Mark Allen, Cole Anthony. So, yeah, given, you know, given, I think probably a good way to approach all of this is also just look at who's been hyped coming 
into college even like Cole Anthony was super hype coming into college had a disappointing year at UNC and that contributed to his draft day slide a bit but you know before he got hurt there I think a lot of teams probably in that eight to 14 mix were looking at him and like oh did, did we make a mistake not not having him higher on our board yeah let's take a look so um oh, rather one one uh Nick also so from my Miami Heat standpoint I think there's a combination of interesting topics here first Kendrick Nunn last year was looking great, you know, playing a significant role. His utilization, his efficiency was pretty strong. And then he kind of just disappeared. And obviously they've got a lot of young core that they've built around. I know Precious is just a great addition. What do we think about the heat and kind of all these just rotation of young players? And of course, you know, Tyler Hero, I don't know if you know, is a marketing kind of partnership with Top Shot. So all of his moments just skyrocket and people love him. Yeah, I think the heat are going to be a, Go back to what you guys were saying earlier in terms of, you know, these guys, once they get traded, their value freezes or their, their, you know, their set freezes. Um, the Heat have long been rumored in that third star mix. Like if the Wizards are ever willing to move off of Bradley Beal, the Heat are known to have interest. Going back to Victor Oladipo, if they, you know, if the Rockets are willing to move him now and the Heat say, We'll take him so we can get his bird rights and make it easier to get him in this summer. That's an option. Um, I mean, Kendrick Nunn this year had a pretty slow start, but has really turned it on as of late. So he and Duncan Robinson are both restricted free agents this summer. I don't know if Miami is going to be able to afford bringing in a star free agent like Oladipo, re-signing Duncan Robinson, who's probably going to get four years, $80 million at least. Uh, just based on what Joe Harris got last year, and then also have to worry about Kendrick Nunn. So him and Precious Atchua is in the same boat. You know, if they're going after a someone like a Kyle Lowry even, or a Beal, a Zach Levine, they're going to have to give up a lot of these kids. So it they might be a good place to target because you think that's going to increase the scarcity of that set. Um, but also Miami's just a really good team, and great in terms of their player development, their culture. Like I, if I'm going to bet on which guys are actually going to live up to their ceilings, there are a few guys, few teams in the league that I'd rather bet on than Miami in that regard. Are people going to remember that they made it to the finals last year? <laughs> and, you know, it's like they get no credit for just having their entire team wiped out for three weeks by COVID <laughs> this year. And I, I'm looking at the standings and I was going over it the other day and I'm like, one of the Sixers, Nets, Bucks, Celtics, Heat, Raptors, or Pacers, one of those teams is going to be in the play-in tournament. Like they're not even going to be guaranteed a playoff spot. So the number, you know, the two through seven, is it's really important to get that number one seed so you can avoid one of those teams in the first round because we could be looking at, like, a Nets-Heat series in the first round of the playoffs, which sounds brutal. It's crazy. I mean, great from a basketball perspective, but brutal <laughs> for the one seed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, the Sixers are like barely clinging to it right now and they have the Nets breathing down their necks. And it's not to say that whoever gets the eighth seed, whether it's like the Knicks or the Hawks or whatever, not to say there'll be a pushover. But I think especially if the Pacers are the seven and they're getting back Karis LeVert in the second half of the season, we don't know if TJ Warren's coming back, but hopefully he's back by the playoffs as well. I would not want to face that Pacers team in the first round either. Let me, let me pivot to a guy who I know uh, in the moment really loves. Uh, Jokic uh, should be winning the MVP, going away in all the advanced metrics. 
uh, unfortunately, they're just not that good. What are your thoughts on kind of like the Nugget situation as a whole, and can they get better at the trade deadline this year to kind of make a run and put put Jokic in the MVP lead he deserves? Yeah, well, I think it's Jokic and Embiid should be one and two in the MVP mix already. I think the LeBron MVP narrative is really starting to catch steam in early February. Then AD gets hurt, and it has just completely derailed since. Like the Clutch Mafia at ESPN, unfortunately, has not been able to parrot that line recently. So, yeah, I think Embiid, Jokic, regardless of – there are a lot of other deserving candidates too, but those two guys I think are in a class of their own so far – and yeah, I mean, I think you said it well, Bach. It's if the Nuggets were a top four seed, Jokic would probably be the MVP right now. It's, I mean, that is Joel Embiid's, as good as Joel Embiid has played this year, the number one argument against Jokic is they're the seventh seed in the West and the Sixers are the number one seed in the East. If, if that were flipped, Jokic would be MVP. I don't even know if Embiid would be top two at that point, despite how good he's been. So. I think if you're a Nuggets fan, you're certainly hoping the second half of the season is kinder to you. Uh, Jamal Murray started off, I don't want to say slow. I mean, it's still pretty good, but we've seen over the last few weeks, he's really gotten back into being like bubble version of Jamal Murray, where he's just going you know, a threat to go off at 30 points in a, in a given night. Michael Porter Jr. is obviously the big wild card for that team. You just don't know what you're going to get out of him on a given night. I mean, he, he is the ultimate X factor, not only for the Nuggets, probably the entire league, where if this kid hits his ceiling, both from a Nuggets perspective and a top shot perspective, like he's a guy who high upside, high risk, uh, because he could just totally bust or like with the, you know, he's got a history of back injury as well. So there's a chance that he just never hits that ceiling. But if he does, he has that superstar upside to be the third star for the Nuggets and, and take that team you know, back to the Western Conference Finals or even further. So I'm optimistic about the Nuggets in the second half of the season. I do think they're going to cement themselves in that tier with at least the Phoenix Suns, where maybe they aren't, you know, a clear top three seed. Even the Suns are even in that mix with the Lakers and Clippers right now. But the Nuggets, like, I don't think they're a play-in tournament type team. I think they are a solid playoff team in the West, and they'll show that over the second half of the season. Uh, that's a lot. There's a lot of stuff that this has been fantastic. Um, you know, hey, Brian, just want to say like the NBA knowledge that you provided has been severely lacking by uh, my co-host and I uh, through these. So first off, thank you for that. Uh, Bachman, uh, always love your insights and uh, the work that you've done in the Discord channel has been fantastic. Um, you know, for other people that, you know, are more asking the NBA questions, Bach is always there to kind of give his uh, more research data, data definitely backed approach, but also watching that tape. Um, and I do want to say, Bach, uh, I know we're coming up on an hour. Should we, uh, should we rip? Time. Oh, all right. I think I'm, it is time. I'm right, really Bach. excited. So you're going to teach him, teach? <laughs> yeah, you're going to hit share. Share. You're going to hit share screen. And then you got to make sure that you go all the way to the right and hit the Chrome tab. And then in the bottom left, you got to check the share audio so that people can hear the packs. Got it. All right. Let's see if we can pull this off. We have learned you guys our see lessons. It? Yep. Yes, I you can you see it. The stream. All right. What Let's do we open what here? That's the only one I got, unfortunately. Series 2, release 15. Okay. So this is post most of the rookies, but um, right. I would guess. 
Can you guys hear it? Oh yeah. Can we hear it? All right, let's see what we got here. Oh, look at that cereal. Good mint. Oh, what? Oh! What? That's a nice pull. That's a great pull. Yeah. It's been sitting in his pack. Wow. So that's a $400 lowest pass. You add in that cereal, that's looking like something. You could probably get about a 1.82x for that. So uh, nice six $800 on your $9 investment box. You want to give up? Uh, let's give TJ the next one. He can keep this. Very nice. Yeah, right. Very nice. Hey, what do we got? Let's see. Ah. Yeah, here we go. Crossover. Oh, fancy. All right. And the last one. Oh, is this our boy? Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was I, was really, I was really hoping for a Levine there. <laughs> that would have been special. Still, though. Ah. Uh, Two players, you know, uh, hey, Siakam's really not that bad either. But uh, that Luca is the, you know, shining, shining moment of there. Well done. That's, uh, you know, go have a drink. Take a nice <laughs> seven, eight hundred dollars off the table right there. Uh, congrats. I can't believe that's just sitting. It's just sitting uh -huh. in your account. You didn't know for the past, like, you know, a few weeks. That's a top, top, top notch pit bull right there. I <laughs> that's mean, right. That's right. Love that. Good deal. Well, yeah, we're coming up on an hour here. I think we've we've touched on it all, had a ton of NBA knowledge dropped to us from Brian. So, Brian, we'll kick it to you one last time. Any final thoughts? And please tell the people where they can find you and follow you on social media and all of those fun things. Yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter at btoporek, uh, B-T-O-P-O-R-E-K. You can find my podcast wherever podcasts are found. It's called the NBA Podcast. Strangely, the only NBA-related podcast out there. You would think there'd be more. Uh, you can also find me at Forbes Sports, where I'm writing about the Sixers and salary cap stuff. I also uh, dabble at Fansided. I just wrote a piece today over there about Ben Simmons case for defensive player of the year, which I tried to be fair, especially after the jazz game last night. But uh, yeah, so give me a follow there as well. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Brian, very much for the show. Any final thoughts from, from Bach or from Justin before we close things off? Bach, we'll go to you first. No, just excited for all-star game weekend. Let's get some pack drops. Let's have the, have everyone pull some great moments and, uh, and you know, let's, let's talk some NBA. Justin. Good luck, everyone, tomorrow in getting those packs. And then, assuming things go smoothly, we will see you all Sunday for a live pack sweat where TJ and I will be talking all things NBA, All-Star Weekend, whatever's going on, packs on packs on packs. And uh, we might bring a couple of guests and some uh, friends, friends and family onto the show as well. So uh, looking forward to having everyone there. All right. Awesome show, guys. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Please, if you enjoyed the show, go ahead, hit that thumbs up button. Leave us a review in the, I, I guess I was going to say the Apple Store, but any of the podcast stores, wherever you are listening to this. And with that said, on behalf of Justin, on behalf of Bach, on behalf of Producer Coop Behind the Scenes, and on behalf of our special guest, Brian Taporek, I am TJ Lasig, and we will see you guys next time.